0: Hello and welcome to Minisode 50 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve him. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm
1: soon to be, once again,
0: filmmaker Andy Stewart. Oh, hello. Hi. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. I was about to ask you how your week's been going and what you've been up to.
1: Uh, sounds like you might have an answer for that. Finally, it's been a long time coming. I've been toing and throwing and searching my soul, Mitch, as you're well aware. Mm-hmm. Um, but now... Seems like I'm finally in tentative pre-production on a new film. Indeed. Yeah. And um, having
0: been given a quick overview of it, I'm pretty interested to see where this goes. Yeah, something a little bit different. Definitely a departure, I would but say. But yet,
1: not really. <laughs> At the same time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. But in amongst uh, creative juices flying
1: around. Um, okay, uh, there certainly are doing that. Have <laughs> uh, you been watching anything? Right, okay. Yes, I have. So I went on Amazon Prime this week. Mm-hmm. After I think it might have been last week or the weekend, the week before, when you mentioned that Luca Guadagnino's Suspiria was arriving. Yes, yeah, arrived last Friday, and yes, it did. However, it wasn't particularly easy to find. Really? Yeah, I, I don't know what the deal is with Suspiria, if I'm honest with you, in terms of Amazon's marketing strategy towards it, if they have one at all. Because I really had to kind of had to search for it. Like it wasn't like you'd think because it's an Amazon original, it would be front and center homepage. Yeah, 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 absolutely. No, I had to look for it. Yeah, the um, the, the entire
0: yeah the entire thing with uh, Suspiria. I feel like um the new one, the entire way that it's been promoted and the size of its release and everything. Mm-hmm. I think the entire thing, from theatrical through to now, has been a case of me expecting it to be treated like a bigger deal than it was. Yeah. But I suppose, I mean, the other side of that coin is that it's uh, potentially alienating to fans of the original. It's very dense and very long.
1: <laughs> Which brings me on to my thoughts. Yeah, what did you make of it? I thought it was very dense and over long. Okay. <laughs> I certainly think it's dense and long. Yeah, I, uh, I, I was just left a little cold, uh-huh. if I'm honest. I don't know what I expected. I don't know how... In my, in my mind, what I had kind of built it up to be I thought the film overall was cold Okay, I mean, I, I was, think that that's true And I was cold on it mm-hmm. I mean, it lo- don't get me wrong, there's parts of it that look amazing uh-huh. Yeah, I just I, th- I thought some of the performances Were a bit shaky Who wasn't doing it for you? I actually didn't particularly like Tilda Swinton in it Really? I think she's good No, I I, I was just a bit like It felt like she was trying too hard Okay. I thought Mia Goth was good
0: I think she's great in it. Yeah. I've I, I've blown a little hot and cold on her and other stuff, but I think she's really good in this.
1: And I thought that, like, I know you've mentioned it before, but the brief period of time that Chloe Moretz is on screen, she's pretty good. Yeah, um, I, I don't know if I would agree with your effusive uh, review that perhaps it was her best performance yeah. to date.
0: You you think it's Carrie, right?
1: Uh, I certainly don't think it's Carrie, <laughs> but uh, I also don't think it's this. Right. Okay. But, um She's welcome for the time she's on screen and she's doing all right work. Mm-hmm. I don't know, um, I was just left a little bit cold by uh-huh. it, I was just left like, that was it, really. Well, You're one of the few people who've landed in the middle. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't, I, I didn't, it wasn't enough there for me to hate it, uh-huh. but at the same time, like I didn't, it was more the technical stuff that, that kind of won me round on it. Mm-hmm. Um. I think if it had been a less technically accomplished film, I would have been considerably colder on mm-hmm. it, even still. Okay. Frosty, I would say. Oh my. I would definitely say check it out, i I think it demands that you watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, I will say Tom York's scores brilliant. Isn't it? Yeah, Isn't it's it? really good. That's probably, for me, the highlight of the whole film. That's reasonable. It's great. But uh, overall, I just... I th- it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. It was serviceable. But it was needlessly long, I think. I I, I don't I'm, think it's, it's serving anything, being two and a half hours long. I need to be giving it a second watch, I think. I really liked it when I
0: saw it, but I'm going to give it a second watch to figure out what I think is the fact because mm-hmm. I think that I, I mean the length of it didn't really bother me but I do think that there's probably some waste in there and I think I need a second watch to pin down exactly what I think that is
1: right okay <laughs> anything else? no okay um, <laughs> I'll be quite honest with you in between writing and rewriting and um, actually starting to crunch numbers on a new project mm-hmm. that's taken up a fair amount of time mm-hmm
0: I have one, and it was also from the list of coming-to-streaming-platforms things that we spoke about oh, last week. Oh, okay. So I watched it in two halves, but I, uh, over this week, got around to watching uh, Rodrigo Cortez's Down a Dark Hall. So it's actually, it's it's kind of interesting that we're coming off the back of a Suspiria chat to talk Down a Dark Hall. So this is based on a novel that came out years and years ago. Uh-huh. It's an American-Spanish production, and it has the feel of that. You know, it's like very stately. Right. And kind of very... Underlit. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like aesthetically, it, gets, it puts me in the mind of things like *Painless* and *Orphanage* and stuff like that. We're not okay. dealing with as good a film as those. So, to basically very quickly summarise what's going on here: you've got um, the lead character um, Kit, who's played by Anna Sophia Robb here.
1: Right. Kit.
0: Yeah, Kit Gordy. Oh, fuck off. Um, so she's packed off to um, a boarding school for like troubled young women. Right. And the kind of uh, the kind of headmistress there is Uma Thurman. Right, okay. Uh, as Madame Duret. Uh, Durex. <laughs> D-U-R-E-T, I believe. Ah, right, okay. um, But yeah, she's, um, <laughs> she's uh, kind of... I'm not going to say she's mangling an accent, but you know, just like when you've got a known face.
1: Right, she's so just in one of those generic nowhere accents that's got a little bit of English, a little bit of American, and a little bit of something European it's, that you it, can't it's, quite it's, put your finger on. Yeah,
0: it's it's Europe'sville, um, for sure. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a little bit generic.
1: So you've got... um the, like There's
0: only four other girls at the school. Okay, nice. Yeah, right. So, okay, that makes
1: sense. Money well spent.
0: Yeah, and amongst those you have, and we spoke about this last week, um, Isabel Thurman from Orphan.
1: Ah, Esther.
0: Esther, the very same. Right. And uh, also Rosie Day from the Seasoning House. He, oh, cool. Um, right, I yeah. think is underutilized here.
1: Right. Okay. Because um, she's generally pretty good. I think yeah, I, I'm I've a already fan. Said that. I'm a okay. fan. Yeah.
0: Uh, so basically, they are there, and um, very early on, each of them starts to become kind of a virtuoso at something. Right. So, like, Isabel Furman's character becomes this, like, excellent mathematician. Rosie Day's character is an excellent painter. Anna-Sophia Robb's one, a uh, very good piano.
1: I, I Presumably uh, by painter, you don't mean, like, painter and decorator, because they're worth their weight in gold then. Like, a really yeah. good painter and decorator?
0: Uh, <laughs> no, I'm thinking uh, more kind of, like, uh, portraits. Oh, right, okay. And one of them's uh, one of them's a poet as well, and this is... This one was threatening to do something that I thought was really interesting, so <laughs> to begin with, like um you had um like I say, these people who kind of like they very quickly acquire these um remarkable abilities, and it's all kind of very impressive for a while. but at one point, one of the characters writes a poem that you don't see, but apparently it's like this vulgar, unspeakable thing, and they're acquiring these skills, but they don't have any control over what they're creating right, okay. Um, so they're creating this art that they they find dramatic and things like that, and I'm like, this is class. Like I was like, I really want to know what they do with this. And as it turns out, they actually they kind of sharply turn away from that and go down a road that did a lot less for me. <laughs> um, the last twenty minutes or so are pretty silly, um, but some good performances in there. Um, it, it, it loses me. I would say in the third act, right? Um, it, like, it just it gets a little bit too uh, a little bit too bombastic. The reveals a little bit overexplained and not as smart as it thinks it is. But like for the first hour or so, I was kind of, I had me curious. But it's a, it's frustrating that I think it was so close to. Um, it had the kind of like, like there's a kernel of a really good idea in there, mm-hmm. and it was a shame that it's the. Then obviously you can't blame the filmmakers for this. It's based on a book, but um, it turns away so sharply from it and goes into something that's way more predictable and way more rote. Right. Okay. But it's out there. It's on Netflix now. So if you want to go and check it out, it's *Down the Dark Hall* from uh, Rodrigo Cortez, who has previously done things like *Buried*. Oh yeah,
1: I um, quite
0: like *Buried*. I like *Buried*. Thought it was fun. Yeah. Yeah, so um he's done some pretty interesting stuff. And if you like some of his other things, like I you know he de- he worked on grand piano right. things like that. If you mm-hmm. like those kind of things, keep it be worth a look. But that's about it, with the exception of Doo 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 doo, Mitch Swansix one hundred. yeah, i got one more in. Uh, oh okay. this week okay, so just good going. slow and steady wins a race. Um, and one that I think that you've been waiting for me to watch. Oh um, uh... and discuss. Um uh, I watched Martin this week.
1: Oh, yay! Yeah. Yeah, yeah! yeah. I, I love Martin shamelessly. I've got a Martin tattoo on my leg.
0: Yeah. Yeah, what did you think? I really liked it. I really like those things that are kind of uh, monster or vampire stories in this instance, obviously, that are kind of that only incidentally. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's much more of a character thing. It totally, you can totally see how... We ended up with things like Let the Right One In and mm-hmm. things like that further down the line. But I thought I, I thought Martin was great performance wise, was brilliant, and just like um, uh, really really enjoyed just the entire feel, the kind of like the kind of like indie feel to the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I can kind of feel. I've always kind of felt a Martin remake coming down the pipeline. I it feels ripe for for that. Whether that's right or wrong, I'm not going to speculate on that. But it feels like something that's been imminent for a long time, and it's never. It's never happened, if that was to happen, I would cast Caleb Landry Jones in the lead. Well, I would cast Caleb Landry Jones in just about anything if I could get him, because I think he's fucking brilliant. Yes, he's superb. Yeah. He is great. So, he's great. yeah. So another one in the can there. Then that was uh, yeah, that was Martin this week. Superb, actually. Martin's coming out soon from Second Sight Films. They're oh, nice. Putting the, they're putting a, a special edition out on Blu-ray. That's cool. Uh, along with, I believe, a reissue of Dawn of the Dead nice on Blu-ray nice because um, there was one previously from Arrow but I think it's out of print now and it's it cost you about 200 quid to buy it now yikes okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, so keep your eyes peeled for the second sight one because I imagine it'll be significantly cheaper than that mm, yeah quite yeah. possibly <laughs> uh,
0: so heading towards the 70% mark on the Shotwaves 100 Wowzers! so We're going to need to get you a new segment soon yeah I know well, well, maybe, I'll get, maybe okay. I'll get one maybe I'll get one that's true, I wonder what we could do. But yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. In the meantime...
1: Do, 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 do. What have they been saying?
0: Uh, they
1: have been saying a whole lot. Yeah, and ah, see what you've done there. Ah. Yeah, yeah, play on mods there, because just about everything, minus a couple of things I'm looking at right now, are in relation to the whole... Yes, big thank you once again to
0: the podcast under the stairs, Duncan McLeish. Yes, the machine... That is Duncan McLeish. Aye, uh, joining us for the one-year anniversary episode last week to talk the whole with us. The lion's share of the feedback is about that, uh, so I think <laughs> we, should, we may as well just start thinking, just um, and
1: batter through some stuff on the whole. Okay, so opening things up then with James Patrick Duffy. Okay, who says for an apparent tense psychological thriller, it lacks any tension Thora a as the baddie also has about as much menace as Thora Hud. <laughs> nice concept. Poorly executed I see uh, For any listeners who are not English They may not know who Dame Thora Hudd was uh, She was like a kind of Like she was just like always old I think Just one of those really super old people From the minute they were born Till the minute they died
0: Yeah 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 <laughs> But um, yeah that's, that's, that's a kind of fair comment though I think that like yeah. that's, The film is it's, it's a little bit lacking in menace <laughs> New person alert uh, Oliver Sedgwick on Instagram Yeah Oh my god, I remember renting this from Blockbuster. It's such a shame that Thora kind of faded away since she was set up for stardom as a child slash teen. I did like this one, though. It's good watching a limited set and small group keep your interest in a whole film. I'd recommend Exam if you like that type of thing about group politics. Have you seen Exam? I haven't. I have. It's probably not that surprising. I'm kind of with Oliver on this one. Okay. I, I As you know, I, tend to, I like claustrophobic thrillers and kind of and then there were non type pieces. Sure. Yeah. Um Exam's is a really cool film actually and it's uh it's a pretty good companion piece to the whole. I would make the argument that uh Exam is the better film. Right. Uh, yeah, in fact, I might go watch the I might go watch exam later. Exam's really good. Cool, you do that. <laughs> <laughs> loads, loads more on the whole.
1: Yeah, hopping on to Twitter, uh, what monster at what monster mag saying just watched the whole inspired by latest episode of strong violent PC. Bonkers to think Kira Knightley was 15 when it was made let's not dwell on that any further than we did in the episode yeah no, that's we did a dig into one. it in
0: some depth yeah that is a strange one though uh, for sure uh instagram this film has um a lot of people coming out of the woodwork in support of it <laughs> um instagram uh raiders of the podcast uh, i want to say hello actually to raiders of the podcast uh cool. also aka salted popcorn aka kevin matthews uh met him for a pint on friday oh uh, yeah um i was in yeah. edinburgh for uh, one of two weddings i was at this weekend um and had a couple hours to myself uh so i gave him a shout and we ended up meeting up um having beer in a chat it's good fun but you got in touch saying i always like this one looking forward to your thoughts i especially like the foreshadowing and at least it was before birch seemed determined to sabotage her career last i endured was her train slash dark corners period <laughs> um but yeah like, like i say loads of people um speaking up about how much they like this one uh, dr bitchcraft on instagram just i was just thinking about this film the other day love it Comfortably dumb. I used to love the whole first sex scene I ever saw at the cinema. Mm, things went uphill from there. Uh, <laughs> a New person dot Supreme.mathematics on Instagram as well. God damn, what an awful film. I love this so much. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, our old pal Zoe Zobo with a shotgun. Oh, shit, I love this film. So, uh, yeah, like I say, uh, this film, uh, not without its supporters.
1: Yeah, Honey Ray on Twitter, weighing in, saying, Hilarious chat, oh my God, there was so much dong in that movie. <laughs> Dennis in uh picking a favourite quote, in which uh, I uh, posited that perhaps this plan was a little bit more elaborate than one would it usually pull together in order to get someone to fall in love with you when lying works quite as well. <laughs> uh <laughs> Um,
0: uh, also, uh, like we had a couple of people making whole puns, which is not less surprising. Um, <laughs> yes, um, Panda being one of them who said, pretty good episode on the whole. Oh, very good. Very good. I like that. Um, Cosmic Ray Girl, on the whole, the whole podcast about the whole was wholesome and wholehearted. However, the plot line of the film was full of holes. You correctly intervened saying that wholesome, not the first adjective that would have sprung
1: to my mind. No, no. Keeping things bleak as always, Darren Gaskell. Ah, okay. <laughs> Here comes a strong uh, opinion. Brilliant episode. I want to like the film, but I can't. The stuff with Kira Knightley is creepy considering how young she was, Agreed. and that ending is monumentally dumbassed. A bit of deductive reasoning and some basic forensics and Thoraburch would have been banged to rights. I mean that is probably true. I agree.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that there's um there's more than a little disbelief suspension with uh, some of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, no that one unfolds. looks
1: into it in the slightest. No, no, inevitably. No. Um it's very much a surface investigation. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More hassle than it's worth to go into more detail.
0: Yeah. I, like many, many stones were left unturned There, <laughs> Michael Park. At be quiet, Michael. When you were talking about Mike Steele and his incredibly American-sounding name, Andy hit out with Max Power. Well, allow me to introduce you to Sunderland midfielder Max Power, who once feared that he was named after that bit off the of Simpsons. <laughs> As it turns out, he was not apparently.
1: And a photo of the football player in question. Yeah, yeah. Looking at uh, looking triumphant. <laughs> <laughs> you got anything else in the hole? I don't. But what I do have. Are Couple of wee bits of general niceness. Yeah, no
0: real nice. Nice, I got a couple as well. One yeah.
1: So, uh, Gorehound at Zombie Slow getting in touch to say Happy Birthday, Strong Violent PC. Keep it creepy, you restless natives.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Uh, we had Film Fan Stevie get in touch. He did a cool thing this week. He said, Um, happy first anniversary at Strong Violent PC. Thanks for an incredible year of laughing like a loon while listening to you guys every Friday morning at Cars and Soho." Alongside, kind of attached to that tweet, he um sent us like four pictures, which was basically like a montage of screen grabs of the title cards for every single film we've done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is
1: it's really cool it's on Twitter right? so that's a film fans TV. so thanks to them for doing that incredibly wasteful time, yeah, <laughs> time yeah. management there yes Yeah. Uh, so we've also got a new person alert I believe Chris oh. Salt at Oblong Pictures yeah new person eh, huh, Chris getting in touch to say happy birthday strong violent PC if you only listen to one podcast today listen to the Johnny Mnemonic Synaptic Seepage Special <laughs> or the Life Force One or both why are you limiting yourself to one podcast anyway? It's Friday, man. Chill out. <laughs> Excellent. Um, thanks for that,
0: Chris. I have um, some general niceness. Also, uh, Chloe Bestley. Right. Um, at Chuck Spadina 25. Uh, so, would love to hear a strong violent PC debate Repo the Genetic Opera. Not sure if this is for a good rep, but I love it if all else fails her face falling off should make up for it and we got a gift of Paris Hilton there <laughs> um, I would quite like to do Repo actually so anybody any guests that um, uh, have a soft spot for that film uh, bear that in mind I'd be well up for trying about. cool have uh, you got anything else? I don't I have a couple Jesus um, Christ just, just, the, just to conclude And um, they're on one very specific topic Which was midweek obviously um, Keen listeners and uh, people keeping an eye on their feeds Will have noticed that we put a getting to know you episode Which we've been talking about doing for a little while Answering some listener questions and so on Yes uh, You did use that as a platform to announce to the world Your impending fatherhood <laughs> Yeah, yeah um, so a couple of people to getting in touch. Uh, the Shake seventy two, Fatherhood Andy, congratulations. Thanks. And uh, Hanny Ray on Twitter, here's hoping Andy makes stuff. Warned the wife of that announcement. Also congratulations. I did. Um and uh, <laughs> good. And, uh, and finally Darren Gasco. Well that announcement was a surprise. Congratulations Andy. So yeah a few people getting in touch just thanks very much folks. Appreciate general it. nice things
1: about that. Yeah general niceness. General, general nice niceness. Yeah. So (laughs) The feedback is done That sends us cannonballing As always into
0: Mitch's pitches It is once again time For Mitch's pitches What is Mitch's pitches I hear you ask Where have you been We've been doing this For almost 40 weeks (laughs) Mitch's pitches Is a feature on the show That is designed to exploit My ignorance For your entertainment While we're recording Andy sends a picture To my phone It is a poster From a horror film From years gone by He will have photoshopped out The title Tagline Any identifying text Whatsoever He'll just leave the image Yes I will describe the image to the best of my ability I'll also try and give it a title and a synopsis We'll also share it to all of our social media channels uh, So you can play along at home So yeah, um, you might want to take a wee look at our Instagram Dig up uh, last week's image which was monkey shines Yes it was uh, Reappropriated by me as uh, short back and die (laughs) 2 Perms, pain and primates Sure and a whole lot of people got in touch uh, on this one, including James Plum at Mad Science Films, who also said short back and die. There you go. First time that's ever happened. Okay, quite a few to get through here. Uh, Ricky Munga and Alison Garcia kind of collaborating on this one and uh, eventually coming up with Sweeney Todd, the demon Barbary macaque of Capuchin Crescent. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Uh, Stephen Wales, uh, new person, I believe. Hi, Stephen. 1989's Carnival of Carnage Cups and Slaughters. A disgruntled carnival worker, fired after an accident where several people were killed on an out of control teacups ride, takes revenge <laughs> on his former employers by cursing the prizes at the Coconut Shy. <laughs> By Day Harmless Toys, By Night Unstoppable Demonic Killing Machines, I Must See Maniacal Mechanical Monkey Massacres, starring Dwight Schultz as Leander Bartley, the crossed (laughs) carny, David Gale as Patrin Wood, the carnival boss, and Caroline Monroe as Rhoda, the not-so-shy coconut girl. (laughs) I like that very much. Yeah, I very much enjoyed that. Uh... Good cast, <laughs> Lord and Mac, really strong cast, really strong cast. Uh, Lord and McIntyre, the Apes of Wrath, three Reese's pieces. Oh, <laughs> yes, like this very much. Uh-huh. Um, Andy McEwen, in the end days of World War Two, Doctor Van Rui, a Nazi scientist, is working in a concentration camp, working on a new weapon to save Germany: super soldiers. Making the humans increase their violent tendencies, but all his human experiments die. With the Allies moving in to liberate the camp in the ensuing gun battle, a fire starts, many prisoners (laughs) escape. Von Rui sees a chance, takes a prisoner's uniform, and in the the commotion. After the war, Von Rui moves to South America to continue his research and begin a Fourth Reich. Von Rui, now working as a zookeeper under an alias, makes a breakthrough with his work. The human host (laughs) couldn't survive the transition to a super soldier, (laughs) but man's closest DNA relative, the monkey, can. Now, with an evil monkey army with the strength of a bull and the intelligence intelligence of a man, will the Doctor create his dreams of a fourth Reich?
1: Find out in 1975's Hail to the Chimp. (laughs) I feel the John knew was better than the payoff in that uh, one. (laughs) Uh,
0: Boz, 1997's It's a Puppet. Mention his googly eyes and your hamster dies. (laughs) Uh, Mark the Davies on Instagram Barbershop Monkeys This ain't no Sweeney Todd <laughs> And uh, In conclusion Tony Constantinou Oh god When a crack assassination squad Of experimental simian super soldiers Is shut down by the US government After unsanctioned guerrilla warfare In oh, Mexico right. Okay Claims the lives of half the team The head of Project Primate Dr. Ron Are you okay? That'll <laughs> be fine The head of of Project Primate, Dr. Lionel Destination, (laughs) suspects monkey business and takes drastic action to protect his most trusted chimp commando, Ian. (laughs) Giving him a second chance at life, Lionel ships Ian as far away from civilization as possible to Carnoustie, (laughs) where he quickly settles down and gets a job in the local barber's pole but almost as soon as he arrives one by one the local residents begin turning up dead has Ian reverted back to his primal instincts or is it as Doctor Destination feared (laughs) and one of the other monkey militants is going bananas find out in 1998's Barber Ian, ape, (laughs) ex-predator the macaque is about to hit the fan
1: I'm sorry, I lost the line of destination. <laughs> line of destination is
0: uh, pretty special.
1: Uh, that concludes um, the listener pitch portion
0: of today's show. It is once again on you to choose a winner. Uh, uh, Doctor Lauren McIntyre. Doctor Lauren McIntyre, The Apes of Wrath, three rhesus pieces. I'm Fair very play. Very
1: much tickled by uh, the the use of rhesus in there. Yeah, very yeah. clever.
0: Very clever. Like that a lot. Oh. Um, yeah, a lot of contenders there. People oh. were really bringing it on that one. Uh, very very happy with that. Um, but yeah. Big well done to Lauren McIntyre. You win. Nothing.
1: Nothing. Hey, you ready?
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: Right, okay. Image is inbound now. Okay. Oh, the silence is palpable. Here we go. It's here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. As much detail as you, as you possibly can. Mitch. I mean,
0: and, 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 I'm mean, after, um, I'm not going to lie, you've outdone yourself, after a couple of weeks of uh, fairly simple images, you have gone for something um, a little more elaborate. <laughs> Thanks. Right, so the background is unspecified, kind of dark blue, going to lighter blue, as you work towards the top.
1: I oh, love <laughs> the detail you go into the backgrounds, is staggering.
0: There's also a plain white border. Um, <laughs> uh, in the background we also have uh, what appears to be some clouds and some tombstones. The foreground of the image, I would say, is split into two halves. Uh, the bottom half of the image, there is a brown-haired woman in a state of undress lying on a bed with a sheet kind of half draped over her.
1: Now, just to clarify, that was a, that was a state of undress... And yes. not a state of some distress. A state of undress. <laughs> right, yeah. okay.
0: It's difficult to tell if she's a sta- in a state of uh, some distress or not because her left arm is draped across her face. So I uh, can't see what's going on there. The top half of the image uh, is a shrieking or gasping or shocked or kind of menacing looking human face uh, facing the viewer, facing the camera, if you like. Uh-huh. He or she has uh, very long hair, which kind of grows out into... Kind of like Medusa, except with claws rather than snakes. Long, spindly claws.
1: Right, okay.
0: Um, I believe that that is just about everything that you need to know there. Okay, I will need a moment. Of course.
1: How are you feeling about this one? Hmm. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) That's all I've got. (laughs) To unpack, you'll get there, you always get
0: there. Right, okay, so that's that done. Okay, I'm there also. uh, This is a first for reasons that will become apparent. Okay, right, right, okay, okay, here we go. After witnessing a murder, the testimony of a young woman results in the execution of serial killer Mandy Timms, (laughs) dubbed the Claude Marauder by the press due to the large animalistic wounds she leaves on her victims. Sure. Assuming the identity of Pamela Mullion, she's placed into witness protection and looks to start a new life in a nudist colony. (laughs) However, soon after her arrival, she begins to be plagued by a series of increasingly terrifying visions of a claw-haired woman, and it becomes sharply apparent that though the world saw her die, the clawed marauder may be closer than she appears. Nudity, double entendres, bloodshed and brutality abound in 1981's totally confused supernatural B-movie sequel, The Legend of Snake Fist 2, The Claunting of Leonora Wilkes.
1: (laughs) I see what you've done there. You've kind of flipped it because the fingers were snakes and... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
0: but The Legend of Snake Fist, for anyone who doesn't listen religiously to Mitch's Pitches and remember every stupid joke Jesus, I made... Jesus, that was a long time ago. Yeah, The Legend of Snake Fist was one of the very first Mitch's Pitches, so I thought that it was time for a sequel.
1: Is it one of those unrelated sequels that's uh, in name only?
0: Yes, everyone died at the end of the, um, <laughs> the original Legend of Snake Fist, so um, trying to find some franchise potential was a risky move.
1: <laughs> like Prom Night 2, hello Mary Lou. Yes, yes, exactly that.
0: Uh, so, I'm going to hazard a guess that I have got this a little off. Uh,
1: bro, what year did you say? 81. Yeah, you're off, you're off. Uh, not not massively, but I mean, you're off considerably with the story. But uh, the year is 1987. Okay. And the film is Lucio Fulci's Enigma. Enigma, okay. I think yeah. That. What's it about? Do you want Mike Justices or do you want Matt 282s? I'll have Mike Justices, please. <laughs> Okay. The spirit of a comatose teenage girl possesses the body of a newcomer to her girl's boarding school to enact bloody revenge against the elitist lingerie-clad coeds responsible for her condition.
0: (laughs) Okay. Very good. Yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, That concludes Mitch's pitches for another week. Of course. Yes. Done. Boom. The image is everywhere. Look it up. Get pitching. It's our favorite thing. Go do it. So, um, just before we take a look at what's going on this week, I want to pick up on something that I started doing last week. Right. Uh, Take a look at a couple of things that are coming to streaming platforms this week. Oh, right. Okay. Um, In the UK, again, this is, but um, on the 1st of May to Netflix, you've got Snowpiercer. Right. Okay, cool. Uh, The Earth's remaining inhabitants are confined to a single train circling the globe as a revolution brews among the class-divided cars. Also, on the 1st of May, you've got Tim Burton's Dark Shadows...
1: Oh, Christ. ...arriving on the
0: platform. And uh, Munathic 2. uh, Haunted by terrifying visions, a Muslim healer finds his faith tested... ...when he helps a woman locked in a battle, body and soul, with a diabolical leader. Slimmer pickings on Amazon Prime, but on the 5th of May, which I think is Sunday... Uh, we do have the arrival of the girl with all the gifts. All right, cool. Which is a yeah, good film. Good film, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, so that's about it in terms of. Um, I think the the hot picks that are kind of jumping off the page. Some cool stuff next week,
1: right? Yeah, but but we'll yeah. get to that then, but yeah, we. Yeah.
0: Right, okay. But if you're yeah, if you're plotting some viewing this week, then uh, yeah, that's uh, some of the new arrivals you can find in the UK. Wonderful, thanks, Mitch. So, turning our attentions to this week. This is gonna be. A really interesting one. I'm looking forward to this a lot. You
1: say that quite a lot.
0: Yeah, you know what? I'm like, I'm not going to stop saying it because uh, they, generally but, yeah, they generally are. Yeah, because yeah. they generally are. But yeah, we've been pretty lucky lately. We've had some great guests and had some great conversations, and I'm sure that this will be no exception. Our guest this week is Editor in Chief at Dread Central and also in Acquisitions for Dread. Yeah, of course. Um, just part of a lot of stuff that we really like.
1: It is uh, Mr. Jonathan Barkan. Yes, indeed. Yeah, and Jonathan takes us back to 1995 this time. Okay. It's Clive Barker's Lord of Illusions.
0: Lord of Illusions. Okay. (laughs) Seen Uh it? no of course not um, <laughs> if you do want to get that watched before the episode then uh, you do have some options it's streamable in the UK and a lot of the video on demand platforms
1: yeah I think there's also a Blu-ray out from 101 Films okay cool if you fancy owning it
0: yeah so uh, loads of ways you can see that but yeah editor-in-chief at Dread Central Jonathan Barkan joins us on Friday for episode 51 we're talking Lord of Illusions
1: can't wait for us
0: yeah it's going to be a fun one in the meantime we would of course very much like to hear from you and if you'd like to get in touch with us, loads of ways to do that Facebook and Instagram where Strong Language Violent Scenes You can also tweet us At Strong Violent mm-hmm. And you can email Strong Language Violent Scenes At gmail.com
1: Yep and this is the part of the show Where I would normally list All the streaming platforms Where you can listen to us okay. All your various podcast providers But first I just want A little bit of our rant And to just issue an apology To anyone who normally Listens to us on Spotify Because Spotify are shite And for <laughs> whatever reason They have not posted Friday's episode Where we talked about The whole to Spotify as yet. I've sent them uh several uh, strongly worded tweets. Um and I don't know what the fuck's going on there. It's the first time it's happened on Spotify. So I don't know what the hell's going on. We've not done anything different. Yeah, I can only apologize to anyone and say that there's tons of other places that you can listen. Stitcher, iTunes, not Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh TuneIn, Acast and of course Podbean.
0: Cool, and yeah, that is ongoing at the moment, so hopefully we'll have a resolution for that. Yeah, very we better soon. have. Yeah, absolutely. However, episode 51. This Friday, Jonathan Barkin, Andy, me, we're talking Lord of Illusions. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. It sure
1: is. Bye.